If you got your Bibles with you, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to continue talking about hope on uh, this Sunday morning, and I'm excited about it today. We're talking about hope this morning, specifically about hope in the name. Hope in the name. Now, I need you to be a little bit more Pentecostal with me this morning. And so let's turn over to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 20. And uh, we're going to start there in the New Living. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. The angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Let's look over at one more verse in Matthew, still in Matthew. Matthew 12 and verse 21 in the New Living Translation. Notice what it says. And his name will be the hope of all the world. Come on, notice that. That's the name of Jesus. In his name will be the hope of all the world. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Hope in the Name. Hope in the name. Now, on Sundays, we've been talking about hope, and I want to give you a definition of hope. Hope is the confident expectation of good in your future. Now, there's a difference between uh, worldly hope and biblical hope. Worldly hope is I'm wishing and hoping, and maybe it will happen, and it's not in anything solid. It, it, it's just hoping and wishing that you get, just get lucky. And that somehow everything works out okay. Okay, that, that hope is, is false hope. That's false hope. It's not in anything solid. It's not in anything that's a foundation. You cannot put your faith in that uh, because it's just by chance. If it happens, it happens. I hope it happens. I hope it get lucky. I hope that, that something changes. But notice, biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is confident expectation. Let me add this. In God... That there will be good in my future because his word promised me good in my future. It's not just false hope and it's not just hype to get you pumped up and then to leave you the same. No, biblical hope is to say that God, because we have him in our lives and he is the source of all hope, we can have confident expectation. Notice that's faith. Confident expectation of good in our future Because of the promises of God. So hope is a confident expectation of good in your future. Now I read this quote last week, but let me say it again. It says, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. So as we continue this message today, I want to talk about hope in the name. Hope in the name. Now you realize names in the Bible are significant. Realize the the names that are in the Bible are different than the names that we give in modern day United States of America in 2020. If you've ever read a baby naming book, you realize there are some weird names in there. And, and, And people are naming kids just to be outside the box at this point. You don't even know the definition of it. It's not even a word. You just made it up. Or if there is a definition, it's really strange. And so we name our kids very differently in 2020 than they did in Bible times, in ancient times, in, in the Hebrew times. Uh, they, they took a lot of effort in prayer to figure out what to name the child. Because the name was significant. I'm going somewhere if you stay with me today. The name was important. The name said what the purpose was going to be for the child. And so names weren't just flippantly, I'm just flipping through a book of names, and this sounds trendy, this sounds cool, that's an awesome name, and you have no idea what the definition of this name is. No, you need to understand. Just like, hey, for starters, never name your daughter Jezebel. Not a good name. Not a good name. I wouldn't do that. Never name your, uh, never name your daughter Delilah. Not a good name. 
there's people that are named that. I'm just like, why did you name your kid that? Never name your son Lucifer. Not a good name. But we don't understand the significance of names, but in the Bible times, everyone had a name, and the name was on purpose. The name was important, and the name was powerful, uh, what their name was called. And sometimes it was for the positive or the negative. But notice there's power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus' name is powerful because it has purpose and it's prophetic about what he came to do. Let's look at Matthew 1, 21 again and the new living. Matthew 1, 21. And she will have a son. And notice what God says. Y'all just make this up. Y'all just figure out what you want to call him, and I'll just go with it. No, God decided the name. He didn't say, would you like to? He said, you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And, of course, we know prophetically that's talking about, first of all, the nation of Israel. He came to save them. But we realize, we just read it a second ago, his name is to save the world. And there is hope in his name to save all people. And you got to realize the name Jesus means God saves. God is salvation. That's what the, the literal basic definition, if you look it up in, in Hebrew Bibles, because Jesus was a Hebrew. He was from the nation of Israel. If you look it up and you trace it all the way back, you realize Jesus is an English translation. We translated it to get to the place that we say Jesus. But in the original language, the name Jesus means God saves. God saves. Because his name reveals who he is and what he came to do. God saves. And God is salvation. That's the name of Jesus. And his name is powerful and prophetic because it came to reveal who he is. He is God and what his purpose is he came to save. So God saves. God is salvation. That's what the name Jesus means. Now we're going to continue because we're talking about hope in the name. Now let's look at Philippians 2 and verse 6. One of my favorite passages. Philippians 2 and verse 6 in the New Living Translation. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name... Y'all still with me? Because there's power in the name. There's significance in the name. There's prophetic power and purpose in the name. He gave him the name, which is Jesus, above all other names. Man, that's encouraging this Christmas. Let me just preach on this for a second. You know, Jesus' name is more powerful than COVID-19. Did you guys know that? Jesus' name is more powerful than racism. Jesus' name is more powerful than Trump or Biden. Jesus' name is greater than anything we have faced this year, anything we've faced in the past, the present, or the future. Jesus' name is above every name. Every disease, every mental issue, every family issue, every problem you have, Jesus' name is above every other name. Okay, I just had to preach for a second. I got to go back. Here we go. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice Jesus was given a name above all other names. And that's why today the title of the message is Hope in the Name. Our hope is in the name of Jesus. 
Our hope is in the Old Testament. We say that our hope is in the name of the Lord. Well, who is the Lord? It's revealed he is Jesus. Our hope is in not our government and not our financial situation and not our, 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 our disease. Our hope is in the name of the Lord. And the name of the Lord is Jesus. And so this is telling us in Philippians 2 and 6 through 11, we just read it here, that there's power in the name of Jesus because Jesus came to earth and humbled himself. How many know it's some humility to go from heaven to earth? Slight difference. Humbled himself to the place he became a child. Lived a human life. Died a death for us that he didn't deserve. Humility. And because he did that, God has elevated him and given him a name above all other names. That is the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every tongue would, would confess and every knee would bow that he is Lord and Savior. Do you realize everyone will do that whether it's now or later? Everybody thinks it's optional. Uh-uh. You either are doing it now or you're going to do it in the future. But at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. You can do it by choice or you can do it later because you have to. But you're going to do it either way. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I think this is interesting because we realize there's power in the name, so there's hope in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now, pardon me for a second. I sound like an old-time preacher this morning, but sometimes you need that. I'm 65 years old on the inside spiritually. Not saying 65 years old is old. Okay, I had to clarify. I got half my church. (laughs) Okay, let's clarify that. I just mean I'm more mature spiritually. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. You realize that people don't have a problem when you say other names. TV shows don't have a problem when you say the names of other religions. No problem. No problem on TV if you talk about pornography. No problem. You can use sexual language all you want. No one's offended. Say whatever cuss words you want. No one's offended. Talk about gender issues, sexual issues. Talk about other world religions. No issues, no problem. But at the name of Jesus, somebody's offended. Why? Because all those things have no power in the name. So it ruffles no feathers because it does nothing because there is no power in the name of anything else but Jesus. I've heard for a fact that there's TV shows that they've said every other thing you can imagine on a TV show, and one person that was a strong believer asked to put the name Jesus or Christian in the thing, in, in the TV show, and got fired for it because they're offended about Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. They will cut people off on news organizations if they start talking about Jesus. Let's flip to the next clip here. Why? Don't you think that's a little weird? You guys could talk about every other world religion. Talk about any other issue, and that's fine. But yet when you bring up Jesus, it's not okay. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And whether they know it or not, the whole world knows that there's power in the name of Jesus. And when you say the name of Jesus, you can't be neutral about it. It's going to stir up some emotion for the good or the bad. Because not just this natural world we live in, but the spiritual world that's affecting this natural world doesn't like it. So when you say the name of Jesus, it ruffles some feathers of the demons on TV. It makes people uncomfortable when you share it in a movie or on music because at the name of Jesus, even the spiritual realm can sense that. 
Because they know that one day they're going to have to confess that he is Lord. And there's power in the name of Jesus. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of people that didn't even have a prayer life. That didn't even know how to pray to God. But they were in a hard time. They were in a rough time. And all they could get out was the name of Jesus. And then there were supernatural miracles that took place. They didn't have some long prayer. They didn't, they didn't quote 15 verses, but they were in a, a time where they needed help, and they said, Jesus, and there was supernatural protection that happened over their life. They were, they were dying of sickness and disease, and all they said was Jesus, and they got healed. That people were dealing with some mental oppression and about to take their life, and all they said was Jesus, and something changed. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. His name is not just like every other name. The Bible says that God has given him a name above all other names. And there's power in the name of Jesus. I think sometimes a lot of us in here that are believers and are Christians, we grow up and we take stuff like this for granted because we're too familiar with it. These Christian church words we use, like redemption, like righteousness, even the name of Jesus. We hear it so much, we don't realize the power and significance of it. No, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There's power in his name. You could just write this down for your notes, but in Mark 16 it says, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. Notice that. Before Jesus went and ascended to heaven, he said, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. It says they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will see miracles, deliverance, and the supernatural happen because they will do these signs in my name. That's a promise for all of us in here as believers. But notice, it's those who follow and believe in my name you could write this down as well in john 14 chapter 14 and john chapter 16 jesus speaking about our prayer life in the future there's many many verses but both chapter 14 and chapter 16 jesus says time and time again speaking to all of us if you pray anything in my name the father will hear you The Father will do it. But you got to pray it in my name because that's where the power is. Because I'm the one who paid to give you everything you have. I'm the one that paid to give you redemption. I'm the one that in me all the promises of God are yes and amen. So when you pray, use the name of Jesus. Because the... The, the God of the universe is not listening unless we say the name of Jesus. He says, you want your prayers answered? Ask in my name. Believe in my name. And then it will be done for you. Why? Because there's power in the name. Because there's power in the name, there's hope in the name. Let's look at John 20 and verse 31. We're actually going to read this at the end of John. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. So at the end of John, after the four Gospels, he's saying all these things are written that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But notice, and by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of his name. There's hope in the name. So I want to continue this message and I want to talk about three things for the rest of this time. The first thing is because we have hope in his name, we have hope for our past. We have hope for our past. When I'm speaking about hope for our past, I'm talking about the word salvation. I want to read you a couple verses about salvation in the name. Acts 4 and verse 12 in the New Living. 
There is salvation in no no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Hear me this morning. There is no salvation in anyone else but Jesus. Not any other world religion, not any other philosophy, not any other thing you would try to do to make your life better. There is no salvation in anyone else but him. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Here's another promise for us, Romans 10 and verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many know that's good news this morning? So what do we see here? First of all, there is no one else that there's salvation in other than the name of the Lord. But the good news is everyone, we all got a chance. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who is the name of the Lord? Jesus. So I want to talk for a second about hope for your past. We have hope in the name, and you have hope for your past, and it's called salvation. Now, this is not the only thing salvation does, but this is the main thing salvation does. Jesus came, and his name means God saves. God is salvation. Salvation, it says, is the great inclusive word of the gospel, gathering in itself all the redemptive acts of God. The one who believes in Jesus now has been saved from guilt and the penalty of sin. So this morning, there's hope for your past because of salvation in the name. We have hope in the name because we have salvation through Jesus. And all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice, salvation, the the simplest definition is those who believe in Jesus, they have been saved from the guilt and the penalty of their sin. So we have hope for our past because our past doesn't have to define our future. This is the biggest thing for most people. Most people can't get past their past. Even people that believe in Jesus... And have said the salvation prayer. They still let their past determine their future. They still let their past beat them up. They still let their past keep them in guilt and shame and condemnation. But the good news today is we have hope for our past because of salvation. That because of what Jesus has done, we can be saved from guilt and the penalty of our sin. Because of salvation in the name... We do not have to let our past determine our future. Come on, isn't that good news this morning? Your mistakes, your failures, your sin do not have to determine your future. The good news of salvation is this. I'm preaching way, way better than anyone's responding this morning. The good news of the gospel is this. In salvation, there's hope for our past because not only does God forgive your sins, but he forgets your sins. Which is way better than the way we treat each other. But that only happened because of Jesus and what he did for us. That God has forgiven our sins and he forgets our sins. And we are cleared and free from the guilt and the consequences of our sin that we deserved. So we can have hope for our past. Can have hope for our past because we have hope in the name. That's salvation. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I know a lot of us are believers in here, not everyone, but you need to settle this. A lot of you believe, yeah, I'm forgiven, but you're still thinking about it. It's not God's will. It's going to hold you back the rest of your life. Guilt, shame, and condemnation will keep you defeated even though you're free. A lot of believers live under the weight of their past. 
when God is saying, I've forgiven you. I've forgotten it. Start new. Start fresh. The redemption that I paid for you is complete. Your past does not have to determine your future because of salvation. You need to know that this morning. God says in His Bible, you might not feel new all the time, but when you receive the gift of Jesus and you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, He makes all things new. The Bible says that old things have passed away. That means your old life, your old lifestyle, your old sin, your old way of thinking, your, your entire old man has passed away. And behold, all things have become new because of what Jesus has done for you. And, and Jesus didn't go through all that just so you could be reborn and made new, but still thinking about your past and beating yourself up for it. It's not God's will. God wants you to be free today and you to have hope for your past to let it go. To forgive it and forget it. And move on with your life because He wants to make all things new. But notice salvation can only happen in Jesus when we call on the name of the Lord. We will be saved. See, we have hope for our past this morning. Next thing I want to talk about, you have hope for your present. Many people believe, yeah, I'm forgiven. My past is taken care of. And many believe in the future, when we get to heaven, all things are going to be great. But right here and now, we're stuck, guys. A lot of people believe that. Why do we dumb down the redemption that God has given us? God's forgiven your past and you have hope for your past. And one day when we get to heaven, we'll have hope and it'll be a great future. But right now and here and now, sorry guys. Does the Bible say that? No, it doesn't. Our redemption is complete. I'm not denying the fact that we have challenges and obstacles and we still live in a fallen world with an enemy. But God said that we can have victory. In the here and now. And not only do we have hope for our past that we're forgiven and it's been forgotten and we are made new. But we can have hope for our present that we can live in victory now. That we can have healing now. That we can have peace now. That we can have joy now. That we can be made whole now. Not just when we get to heaven. And we dishonor the price that Jesus paid for us when we only preach part of what he did. And act like God cares about your past. And yeah, he cares about your future. But right now, suffer it out. But God has provided healing for us for our present. That's the one word I want to use for hope for your present. God is a healer. And he wants to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. I want to give you an example of this. In Acts 3, there's a story about Peter and John. Now realize that Acts 3 comes after the Gospels, after Jesus already died on the cross, after Jesus rose again, and he left his disciples here and he said, wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they all spoke in other tongues and they, they all started doing life together. And those early disciples and believers started walking in the supernatural because of the Holy Spirit. So Acts 3 starts immediately... After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they started walking in the supernatural, like all of us should be doing as believers. And Acts 3 starts off like this. It says, Peter and John were going to pray, and there was a man who was lame. And it says, the man who was lame was asking for something, for alms. He, he wanted money. And he said, 
to them, I, I don't have any money on me right now, but I do have something more powerful than money. And it says in your Bible, and we're going to read it in a second, that he looked at him and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And it says he reached out his hand and he pulled him up and he immediately had strength restored to his legs and he was immediately healed. Many people preach like he should have just been okay living that way the rest of his life. Because God just cares about your past and he cares about your future. But the present, you're just going to have to deal with it. Peter and John didn't know that. Peter and John knew that Jesus gives us hope for our present, and he wants to heal us. Spirit, soul, and body. And he said, get up and walk. And he said, he immediately began to walk and was restored, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. I feel like I'm back in kids' church again. He went walking and leaping and praising God. How many know you would do the same too? Some of y'all could use that during praise and worship a little bit. Maybe you forgot what God has done in your life. All right now, somebody. But notice he said, in the name of Jesus, get up. He didn't say in the name of Peter, in the name of John, in the name of Church on the Rock, in the name of our Christian community. No, he said in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, Peter and John weren't Jesus, just like we aren't Jesus, but we are part of his body. He is the head, and we are the body, and Jesus has given us delegated authority to use his name on his behalf, so even though they weren't Jesus, they were living and walking as Jesus, as his hands and feet, and when they used his name, it was the same as Jesus being there and saying his name. We have that authority as the body of Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ. He has given us his name to use. Delegated authority. And so Peter and John said, in the name of Jesus, get up. And it says he immediately got up and started walking and leaping and praising God. I was thinking about this before we read any more verses but do you, do you realize if, if that name could do that, what could it do in your life? Can I say this this morning as your pastor? Get up in the name of Jesus. Some of you don't need a physical healing. You need a mental healing. Get up in the name of Jesus. Some of you don't need a physical healing. You need a relational healing. Get up in the name of Jesus. Some of you don't need a physical healing. You need a financial situation healed. Get up in the name of Jesus. I, I got about 50% of you receiving and the other 15 looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Either the name works or it doesn't work. And if it works on your body, it works on your mind. If it works on your mind, it works on your finances. If it works on your finances, it works on your kids. If it works on your kids, it works on your marriage. Why are we putting God in a box? He said, at the name of Jesus, get up. And I want to tell you, because we've all had a wonderful year this year. Right? Hey, we're still here. Let's be thankful. But I want to tell you, going into 2020, get up in the name of Jesus. God still wants to do some things in your body physically. Get up in the name of Jesus. Mentally, God wants to do some things in your life. Get up in the name of Jesus. He wants to do some things in your family, in your finances, in your future. Get up in the name of Jesus. All they said was, get up in the name of Jesus, but there's so much power in the name. It worked. If it worked back then, it works today in 2020. Some of us, because we, we don't see miracles like that a lot, well, it doesn't really work like that anymore, Pastor Jordan. No, it does. It's not God's fault. It's because people don't believe anything anymore. 
Peter and John actually believed this. If God could find some believers who actually believe something like Peter and John, he would be doing the same things in 2020. Is it okay if I preach like this on a Christmas service? (laughs) He said, get up in the name of Jesus, and he got up. So it said everyone saw it. Not just the followers of Jesus. Everyone saw it. And so Peter preaches in the temple, and this is what it says in Acts 3, in verse 16. He's explaining what happened. Through faith in the name of Jesus... This man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Notice, he's preaching because there's a great crowd of people that are asking, what happened? Says that Peter was in the temple. Because the whole town saw this. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Notice what it was. Faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. I'm going to go a step further. You see that because of that name bringing power, the uh, authorities at that time didn't like people to preach about Jesus. And because of this one notable miracle... They started getting nervous. The Roman government. And and they they wanted to to take Peter and John out. And this is what happens when they went on trial. Let's look at Acts 4, 6 through 10. I love the boldness here. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples, Peter and John, and demanded, by what power and whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he has some boldness on him. Now, this is the same Peter that couldn't even talk to a 12-year-old girl and was denying Jesus. But he got some boldness when he got the Holy Ghost. He said to the rulers and elders of our people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? I love this. Let me clearly state to all of you and to the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. The man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. Does God care about your present? Yes. Does he have hope for your present? Yes. And healing only comes through the name of Jesus. So not only did, I love this, not only did Peter and John testify to believers that this happened through the name of Jesus, he went out and told everyone, the world, his co-workers, the people that were questioning him. He said, let me get this, you need to get this straight. The new living makes it a little more proper. Let me clearly state this. Peter was, he wasn't having it that day. I want you to know how this happened and whose name it was in and where this power came from. It says, this man was healed through the name of Jesus. There's so much power in that name. I love it. Later on, people were getting thrown in prison and they said, we command you to not preach In that name. We command you to not speak in that name. We command you to not pray for people in that name. Because they were getting nervous. I love this about the early church. And we need to be just like this. If you read a few more verses later. At the end of Acts 4. They got in a prayer meeting. And the first thing they said in the prayer meeting. Is God give us boldness to speak your name. (laughs) Let there be signs and wonders and miracles done in your name. Oh, we ain't shutting up. We getting louder. And I want to encourage you this morning, and it's not on my notes, but I need to say it. We as the church need to start being louder. 
Stop shutting up. Stop trying to be politically correct. Stop trying to cater to people who don't know what they're talking about. We need the church to be bold. And the more they tell us to not say the name, don't speak the name, don't preach on the name, we need to pray for more boldness and more power. Come on now. And more miracles and more salvations and more healings. And pray that God would do more in the name of Jesus. Not just taking them like, okay, I'll, I'll be quiet. I won't talk about it anymore, guys, my coworkers, if I'll offend you. I won't bring it up anymore on Facebook. I won't talk about it anymore to my family. If that offends you, it's no difference. How did the early church respond? God, give us more boldness. Because we want to see people keep getting healed. Keep getting saved. Keep getting delivered. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And those who mock you today will be asking for your help tomorrow. But they won't know where to go if you keep your mouth closed. There's hope for our present and healing in the name of Jesus. Lastly, there's hope for our future. Hope, once again, is a confident expectation of good in our future. I want to read you a very familiar verse, but I want to give you some context for it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a refrigerator scripture. You know what that means? It's a Hallmark card type scripture. It's not like you wouldn't put like a circumcision verse on a card for somebody for Christmas. <laughs> Doesn't really go over. Or maybe like a one of those battles in the Old Testament where someone gets slaughtered and their head cut off. You don't really put those verses. You put Jeremiah 29, 11. Congratulations, graduate, Jeremiah 29, 11. Or you put, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm not mocking these verses. They're just used by a lot of people. Usually it's the only verse they know. But I feel like if you knew the context of Jeremiah 29, 11, it would mean more to you than just a Hallmark Lifetime movie uh, quote. It, it would mean a little more significance to you, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's read it for a second here. Because we're talking about we have hope in the name and we have hope for our future. This, this is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Let's leave this up here. So we're talking about hope for our future. Because we have the name, we have hope in the name. We have hope for our past. We have hope for our present. And we have hope for our future. You realize uh, the context of Jeremiah 29 is this. Jeremiah is... A prophet, he's known as the weeping prophet. Dad's the secondary weeping prophet. Um, (laughs) If you knew him outside the pulpit, he cries at everything. Hallmark movies and commercials about Geico insurance and everything. (laughs) He's tender. He's tender. It's a good thing. You don't see that tender side up here. You see the prophet. But he's a lion and a lamb. He's lamb majority of the time. Um. But Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, and the thing about prophets, the reason they can be that way is because they feel what God feels. They feel the weight of people's lives. And so Jeremiah, just like other Old Testament prophets, would speak for God to his people. And the context of Jeremiah 29, 11 is God's people, once again because of their own choices, have went into captivity. A lot of times we read this in the Old Testament like, God, why did you keep putting your people back into captivity? It was their own choices. God would have left them in the promised land the whole time and they could have lived out their days like heaven on earth, but their own choices kept taking them back into captivity. 
It's funny how we think we're so far beyond this in 2020. We do the same thing. We go back into the same junk because of our own choices and say, God, why'd you let this happen? He's saying, why'd you let this happen? So because of their own choices, their own rebellion, their own disobedience, they're captives to Babylon. They're exiles. And they know that they're going to be there 70 years. So they feel like, as anyone would, it's hopeless. They feel abandoned. They feel like God doesn't care. And how many know, sometimes even people say that. They make you feel like that. With everything going on, like, even this past year, people were like, where is God? Why doesn't he care? Well, actually, he cares more than anyone cares. But I get it. They say that. When you're going through a tough time, everybody, where is God? Why is this happening? I feel abandoned. And a lot of times, we put a lot of assumptions on God. Like we know what God's thinking. And we know why God's doing something and what God's feeling. I think we should let God speak for himself. And this is the context of it. After hearing all his people talk about how they're exiles in a land that's not theirs and they're in captivity and they're far away from home and it feels hopeless and they feel abandoned, God speaks up through his prophet Jeremiah and says, wait a minute. No, this is what I think. And this is who I am. And I want to remind you this morning, whether you feel like God has abandoned you or you feel this year is hopeless, this is what God really thinks and this is who he really is. And I'm here to remind you today as your pastor, remind yourself, remind your heart, remind your faith, remind your hope. No, this is the God that I serve. Don't let your circumstances tell you who God is. Don't let the opposition tell you what God thinks about you. Let God tell you what God thinks about you. So Jeremiah says to his people, God speaking, for I know the plans I have for you. Everyone in here, God knows the plans he has for you. You might not know all the plans you have for you, but God knows all the plans he has for you. And notice what he says those plans are. Because many people are making assumptions by the circumstances what God is thinking about them. This is what God says. These are my thoughts. This is the way I'm thinking. They are plans for good. I just want to go real slowly through this so we remind ourselves who God really is. Because we can have hope for our future. Yeah, right now. In 2020 in the United States of America. There are plans for good. How many know God is good? He is never bad. He never trades places with the enemy. God's plans are always good. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. At the end of the day, you need to always believe that. And notice, and not for disaster. We dealt with this last week about disappointments and people blaming God for bad things that happen. Notice what he says. My plans are good, not for disaster. So when bad things happen, don't blame God. People are saying, oh, COVID-19 is the judgment of God. No. His plans are good, not for disaster. Well, I lost my job because God was trying to... No. God's plans are good, not for disaster. Well, this person died because... No. God's plans are good, not for disaster. And notice he says, and to give you a future and a hope. Are you guys hearing me this morning? God came to give you a future and a hope. And that hope only comes in the name. I feel this strongly as we close 2020, and this will probably be the last time I uh, preach to you because next week Dad's going to be preaching until 2021. At the end of this year, we have to settle it that God's plans are good. 
and that he wants to give us a hope in a future. I know some of us, it's hard to believe everything you've been through, everything this year has meant, but let's believe God over our circumstances, over our assumptions of what we think he's doing, and believe him and take him at his word. If he says he's good, he's good. If he doesn't do disaster, he doesn't do disaster. If he wants to give us a hope in the future, that means that all of us in here have a hope in a future. No matter what you feel like, no matter what you have lost, you still have a hope in the future if you have God. Believe that today. You could have lost people. You could have lost jobs. You could have lost all sorts of things. But if you have him, you still have a future and you still have a hope. And you realize that Jesus is the fulfillment of these words in Jeremiah 29 11. Because of Jesus, we can expect good. Because of Jesus, we can have a future. Because of Jesus, we can have hope. Because of Jesus, we have hope for our future because we have the name of Jesus. Did you guys get anything today? Well, let's pray. Father, we just love you to this morning. We thank you today for this time together. We thank you for this Christmas season. I, I just pray over all your people that as we celebrate this next week, uh, this Christmas time, that, that you would give us a, a greater sense of hope, a greater sense of purpose. That, Father, that we're going to finish 2020 strong and go into 2021 full of hope for our future. I pray over all the families and all the, the people that they're going to be talking to over the next week or so, all the, the, uh, the meals and the gifts and the experiences that we're going to have together. I pray for your peace over all of us in here. I just pray for a joy to come across all of us in here. And the joy of the Lord would, would be our strength during this holiday season. And I thank you, Father. We have hope today. We're not without hope because we have your name. We have hope for our present, our past, and our future because of you. And I speak goodness over your people. I speak a future over your people. I speak anyone who's been discouraged that they would be encouraged today. They would get back up today in the name of Jesus and that hope would be renewed and be restored in their heart. And I pray, like it says in, in Romans 15, that the God of all hope, the source of all hope would fill you with joy and peace in your believing and that you would abound in the hope that's in God. I pray that over everyone in here that we are going to end this year hopeful and full of your presence. And Father, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.